welcome. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. And I know we are because this is our first podcast episode. Podcast day. Here it is. We are here. I am so pumped that we are here today. I think I've probably squealed about a thousand times. I mean, I was like popping champagne, so. It is what it is, ma'am. So I am Taylor, and I am one of your co-hosts of Let's Talk About Smut, and we are so excited to be a part of this smutty fandom and get into the nitty-gritty about the books we love. And Hallie and I find so much joy in these books, and they're finally taking our crazy little text message book combos and FaceTimes and bringing this shit to life. Yeah, we. I think we've been doing this for like over a year. Um, I think, you know, when quarantine and COVID started, we started, I have, I had been reading for a while, but I finally got Taylor turned on these books and we've spent probably every day the last year and a half, just like she said, texting, FaceTiming, just obsessing over them. Um, so it's been a long time coming, but we're here. It's a good place to be. So I know you have heard her voice. And it is now time to properly introduce my co-host. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce my co-host, Hallie. What's up? You did not do your sound effect. I thought we were going to do sound bow, effect. Bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like really new to this like whole podcasting thing. And, you know, we listen to some that have all these like sound effects and music. And so... I was really relying on Taylor there to give me some sound effects. So I came through. <laughs> you did. You did good. You did good. So Hallie and I have been asked so many times, why smut? And to be honest, why not smut? We love the drama. We love the romance. And obviously we are here because we love the life altering sex. Yeah. We're perverts, like legit. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're a pervert. <laughs> we have some dirty minds. That's what I figured out reading all this stuff is, I mean, I, wow. The places we will go, you know, the but that's okay because we are not you will alone. Hear about. We are not alone because there is a huge community out there that we are a part of now that have the exact same dirty perverted thoughts we have. And it's refreshing. <laughs> and I think we see all the time that like smut gets roped into like romance and it's not what like our moms were probably like hiding under their pillows at night. I feel like it needs to be its own genre. And it's a whole new level. It is. It's like, we have romance and like, yes, there's like dirty things that happen in those where he like slightly caressed her bosom, (laughs) her breast, (laughs) breasts. But now we get into the real juicy stuff. No pun intended. The deep, dark fantasies really do. So Hallie, take us back. Like you said before, we got started in this and like a year and a half ago during COVID, but when did this start for you? I've always been a bookworm. Um, I never grew up really doing sports or anything. I was like the kid in the background with my nose in the book all the time. I was not. (laughs) I was not. Taylor was like cheerleader. What else? (laughs) I got voted most school spirit in high school. If that tells you anything about me. <laughs> she gets like most school spirit in daily life, even today. Um, but that's why we love her. Her energy, 
all of that. So yeah, I was like the weird emo kid who was like nose in a book all the time. And I always have always have loved romance stories. Um, I am a simp at heart. Um, I love all the feelings, all the emotions. I'm definitely a romantic. So I had been started, I had been reading some of these books and I'd been talking to our big friend group about them for a while. And I finally got Taylor to bite and start with me. And now she, here she is today, my fellow bookworm, my fellow bookworm. And bookworms we may be. And I think like while the revival of like smut came back into my life last year, I did, I did have my moments. And while Hallie was the emo kid, I was the 14-year-old weirdo getting my panties wet over Jacob in Twilight. Oh, my just God. You would choose Jacob. No, Team Edward. Oh, my gosh. No. Shame. He would be the morally gray character. I know, right? <laughs> she has a love for him. But what I really, like, knocked my knickers over was Fifty Shades of Grey. And I feel like that came out, Hallie, like, what, college for us? Yeah, I think it was, like, freshman year. Yeah. And that was the first time, like, I went out of my way to, like, hide a book. Like, I was taking my little summer job money and purchasing the whole series. Saving your allowance. (laughs) Saving my allowance that I was earning myself. (laughs) And, and, like, couldn't let my mom know. And, like, only to find out after I'd finished the series, like, she had read it herself. (laughs) I was like, what is going on in my world? It was just like, if I read that and I knew what I was feeling, I don't even want to know what the hell my mom my, was yeah. feeling. I feel like that book was really the first time I realized that, oh, people, you can actually write about this. Like it, it was the first time I had read things in like that much detail. And I mean, she talks about BDSM and, you know, masochism and it, it was like the first time I was just like, holy crap, you can do this. And you can. And <laughs> and I love it. It truly shows like at that time, because I feel like not only for us, I'm sure there's a ton of other smut lovers out there that can like have this twilight moment and then move to 50 shades of gray and know that these were the things that you were hiding. Cause it is, it can feel so like shameful which is so wrong because it's I know. like, love yourself, people. Love your sexuality. So yeah, that's I mean, it what def- this, bro- this podcast is here for. It just like, I think what I love about smut is, you know, you grew up Catholic, right? I, I, I did. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both from the South and, you know, Taylor was Catholic. I was Southern Methodist. And I grew up just thinking – all I thought sex was, was just this like cold thing where a penis goes in a vagina and that's it. Oh and then you started, yeah, I mean, that was it. it. Really that, do. Was what I, it was. that was my health classes. I mean, seriously, it was like, don't have sex. Don't do these things. Like this is awful. This is not right. This is between a man and a marriage, you know, they're in a marriage. Married and woman. Yes. And that, that's just, what it is. And yes. through smut, I mean, you, it definitely tests those limits of what someone considers sex. I mean, there's all different kinds, all different ways, all different, all different shapes. <laughs> it does not have to be between just a married man and a woman. It could be any, really anything that you want it to be at this point. And it kind of challenges that definition of what sex is. And I love it. I love having something new to kind of think about and, and wrap my head around. And yeah, so I think definitely that's my 
So, Hallie, let's go ahead and get started with our podcast and let our dear listeners know what they can expect from us. Yeah. So basically each episode, we're going to be covering a different book. And in the beginning of each episode, we will kind of give our overall thoughts. If we liked it, if we didn't like it, we'll also be giving some ratings here. We'll give you our five-star rating of how good it was. We'll give you a spice level of how spicy and sexy we thought it was out of some chili peppers. And we'll also kind of be going through the different themes of the book, um, our favorite moments, our least favorite moments, our funny moments, just kind of, you know, the book breakdown of it all. Um, We also will be going through any trigger warnings that the book may have um, just to make sure that you're aware of it. We also, as we move forward in each episode and we start talking about the book, we are assuming that you've already read it. And if you haven't already read it, just know there will be tons of spoilers because this is us, our take on the book that we've already read. So after the trigger warning segment, we will give you a spoiler warning. Stop listening. Go read the book if you haven't, and then come back and listen to us at a later time. Um, Or keep listening and just know there'll be some spoilers ahead. So this first book, we're going to do Buttons and Lace by Penelope Skye. And the reason we're doing this book first is because it's kind of the book where it all started for Taylor and I. I think it was Taylor's like first like smut book I actually gave her to read all that time ago. In a day. Like took this book, gobbled it. it. Wow. (laughs) Swallowed it in a day. I gobbled up this book. I mean, less than, not even a day. Like I think four hours. You had four hours. (laughs) Four hours. I was done. (laughs) So for buttons and lace, uh, out of five stars, this first book, Taylor and I have both read this entire series, and it's amazing. So if it's your first time reading it, continue. Keep reading. The whole series is it just keeps getting better and better. But just for this first book, I gave it a three and a half out of five stars. Yes, I think. I am kind of in your realm. I gave it like a 3.75 out of four. And I think, and I'm going back through this, like when I first read it, cause it was so just overwhelmingly amazing to me that it was, it was, I was probably more at a four. So I will give you my first take. Cause I reread this thing so many times. So I'll give you a four. It's a four. That's pretty solid. It's the first book in the series. So like most first books, you know, it kind of, takes a while to set up the characters and the plot and everything. So, yeah. Um, what about your spice level for this book? Ooh. Um, I have to go back to when I first reread it, and I never really read that much smut. So I gave it a four and a half because this was my first time ever, like, diving in. Knowing what I know now about how many books I've read about smut, I don't know if I would have done it that high. So probably yeah. a four now, but when I first read it, 4.5. Yeah. Um, it takes a while to kind of get into the smut of it all um, because a lot of crap happens to get you there. But I gave it four stars and I think the sexual tension of it all kind of added to that a little bit, even oh, though it wasn't yes. physical sex yet. It's very spicy and steamy. I mean, you have this alpha male and Pearl <laughs> who's very headstrong and feisty. And so, yeah, I gave it four out of five stars on the spice level. I thought it was very 
very well done. It is. And it's, you know, it's dirty sex, but it's also like written in such a nice, classy way. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, believe me, I- It's classy dirt. <laughs> it's classy dirt because I was blushing, but it's still, yeah, it's-, it's And they, good- they cover a lot of- a lot, a lot of things here. I mean, a lot of things. It's not just missionary. <laughs> no, it is not. So it's a lot. <laughs> just be prepared. Yeah. I think that takes us into our trigger warnings um, before we get started, Hallie. So, yes, trigger warnings for this episode, but also for the book itself. Um, there will be talks of sex trafficking, um, you know, rape, um, kidnapping, Stockholm syndrome. Violence, abuse. Violent. This is a, you know, mafia type book. So it's a criminal world that we're, that we're in. Um, so yes, if any of those things are triggering for you, may not be the best episode or book for you, but don't worry because each episode will be different and we will be tackling all different types of books here. So just so you know, those are the trigger warnings. And this is your official spoiler warning. We're moving ahead. If you have not read this book or finished it, and you do not want spoilers, stop listening, go finish the book or read it, and then come back and listen to us uh, once you've done. But without further ado, I think it's time to get into this book. Let's do it. Let's roll. So I will set the scene for us. We meet Pearl. We are in New York. It's Christmas time. Chestnuts are roasting over an open fire. And Pearl is a badass. I think, you know, you'll see that throughout the book. She is great. We have this theme with her boyfriend. Um, they live together. His name is Jacob. And they are just already in this relationship where the sparks have dulled. And she, There's so many red flags in this, this oh, relationship in the beginning. Oh, there's a ton. And you just see like they're living like roommates. You know, he loses his job. There's She's just, sexually frustrated. There's like, so many things. She is so sexually frustrated. Jacob's just not doing it for her anymore. He's not. So as, you know, the story continues, Pearl is home alone and this rando man starts banging on the door looking for Jacob. And that really just like gets you just like, what the fuck is already going on? So there's this man, he comes in, he's asking where Jacob is. He's obviously not there. And she is like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. We immediately see this like fiery woman that's like oh hell no get the fuck out of my apartment (laughs) and she is she is already like pearl is rough around the edges we learn that she is a foster care child you know she's just she's already no family she's always kind of has been on her own um so she's got she's got a spine (laughs) oh she does so this man comes in he leaves her after they have an exchange of like where's jacob and everything of that nature he leaves her with you know, he can't run forever. He needs to pay up. And she's like, what the fuck? What is Jacob? She's like, oh, it must be student loans. And they ain't coming for you like that. Like they, they, they did not send a bookie to take student loans. We know we have them. And I've never ever once had anyone come bang on my door and demand money. If they did, I would be scared jealous. I mean, she's showing a little naiveness here, right? Um, really which does. is fine. It makes her so late. We've all had these moments where we're just like, oh, it must be that. Like, yeah, no, honey, it's not best. student loans. She does. She wants to think the best of Jacob. And when Jacob finally gets home, we realize that like 
he is just in a piss pot mood. He admits he's lost his job and, you know, they're just going through again, there are relationship struggles. So as the story moves, he just comes home one day after just being a dickwad for the past <laughs> couple of weeks. And he's like, Oh, Hey, I got a job. <laughs> I got one. Like in three sentences, folks, it goes from Jacob's a dick to, Hey, I'm perky Jacob. I'm here. And, and your bags are packed. I've already booked a trip. Like, we're going. Let's, let's go. go. And he's like mentioning like the Bahamas or somewhere. And they, you know, they ultimately end up going to St. Thomas. And but again, she like just doesn't even question it. She's like, oh, I'm going on a trip. Let's go. Yeah. She's like, oh, light bulb. You know, it's not Jacob's a fucking asshole in real life. It's like, we are oh, turning it around. He's been stressed. He's with been the student stressed. Loans and that's and- why. He- <laughs> Student loans, his job loss. <laughs> he's, he's got problems. But thank God we're going on this trip. You know, I mean, woohoo, Bahamas, all inclusive resort for the weekend. What could go wrong? So they get to the resort there in St. Thomas, and it's lovely. She's hoping that all of this will turn around. Jacob's acting better. Jacob's doing the things that he needs to do to prove that he can be, you know, kind of a better person in this relationship. So Pearl really is. She's hopeful. So he, in the midst of all this, is like, all right, I'm going to book a dinner at the dock, which if you guys have ever been <laughs> on a European a European vacation, a tropical vacation, any of these things, the last place I'm going is to the Torresville dock. But Jacob's like, like, I'm not leaving go. my all-inclusive resort with all my drinks and the beach and everything. Like, I- Oh, let's go sit at the docks and look at fucking cruise ships because he's never seen a cruise ship before. And that's what he says. You live in New York. How have you not seen a boat before? Yeah, you're on the you're on the East Coast with water, bro. So you're on the Hudson. Like, what are you talking about? Red flag number 10. Okay, I'm just I'm done at this point. I am. I'm like, I'm over it. Also, like, even bypass, he lives in New York. Like, Google a fucking picture of a cruise ship. They're not that special. They're really not. not. They just, it's not like they're on, they're not that, they're they're not even going on a cruise. Like, okay, fine, let's go on a cruise then. It's, we're going to sit and look at a docked cruise ship. That's what he wants to do on vacation in the Bahamas. I mean, no, if anyone takes me to see a fucking cruise ship sitting in the water on an all-inclusive resort, that's not my type of person I want to be around. No, it's not. So they get into this dinner. He's fidgety. Jacob keeps looking at his watch. He's putting his hands through his hair. And poor Pearl is like, what is going on? He keeps- oh, proposal. It <laughs> yeah. must be. It must be that. And we're like, you know, we've read it. So we know it's not a proposal. But poor girl. She's really thinking like, I'm going to stick it out with this ass slob. Like she's man. ready to like commit, you know? Like, yeah, and I'm she just is. like, girl, God. Yep. So they finish the dinner and Jacob is on his fucking boat charade. Pearl's like, I'm ready to go back to our five-star resort. Let's get in a cab. He's like, nah, fam, we are going to look at these fucking boats. We came here for the boats. We're not leaving till we see these boats. So they go on, they continue. He takes her out to the dock and, you know, she doesn't want to be there. Jacob is like, which is so sick thinking about like, maybe we could buy a boat and Pearl, who is practical, is like, yeah, maybe like a jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we live in New York. I'm not really sure how we yeah, do Yeah, so he's talking yeah, fine. all about the future. And all of a sudden, she hears this noise and bam, it goes straight to blackness. And we realize that Pearl has a sack put over her head and is being attacked by somebody and she is freaking out. She's fighting back. Pearl is a complete badass. This will come up so many times through the story. But she, in the midst of all of this, is like, okay, 
how's Jacob? Yeah. My fucking situation sucks, but she's yelling for his name. She's yelling his name. She's like, yeah. where is he? All of these things. And in the saddest way possible, she gets a needle slammed into her neck and she's she out. Knock, knocks out. Yeah. So homegirl gets taken and again, we were assuming you've all read the book and you know, she is being sex trafficked right now. And she wakes up on this boat. She's been on this boat for like eight days now going somewhere that she doesn't know. And on the boat, again, she, where I would just curl up in a ball and like die. She is fighting her way up. I mean, she is <laughs> kicking ass. She ends She's up killing, like, killing <laughs> like three or four people with like a syringe and a piece of cloth. Like she <laughs> is like MacGyvering her way off this boat. Okay. Yeah, she's not going down without a fight. And you know, with her great escape attempt, it just doesn't really work out for her. She ends up not getting off the boat. And when they dock, she is sent to go see this stylist to prepare her for auction. She finds out she's going to be auctioned off to the highest bidder. And this stylist man is just a piece of cake, piece of work. Piece, she is she is a piece of something because this is our first glimpse at this whole world of sex trafficking and how these women are ultimately browbeated and abused into thinking that these men are it and just you just see their mental like status at this point that they know that like they can't get out of this so they just make it just, the best they can be they, they can so you know Pearl gets all done up. She is put in this like skin tight dress and we get to the auction. And I want you to think of the oxen, the oxen, the oxen, the oxygen scene, the auction scene in Taken, because that is what this is. This is not like we're in some back room. This is high class. This is very lavish. Oh, extremely. And Pearl's realizing there is some money here. Oh, a ton. This is okay. Like, here we go. <laughs> so she continues and she's waiting in line with all these other women who are being auctioned off and they're going for like a million dollars. And Pearl just cannot fathom like the money that is being spent on these women. And then finally it is her turn. And, and the bad bitch that she is. She gets on that stage and the MC is saying all of her qualities that she's only had two sexual partners. There's like no STDs, all these things. And that her fight score is a 10 out of 10. And Pearl doesn't really know what that means, but all the men in the crowd know what that means. They are like horny dogs panting in the room. And she is just like, she finally just cannot hold her mouth shut anymore. And she ends up you know, screaming at all of them that you're all sick fucks. And in this moment where it's very easy to be like, hell yeah, it kind of seals her fate to be really bad. And because oh, yeah. she's giving them exactly what they want. Exactly. And immediately a man stands up and slaps down $3 million. And Pearl is like, oh shit. Yes. Because again, most people are going for a million and here she is for three wow. mil automatically. She's and, the highest bit of the night. And like, she finally realizes oh shit, I've just been sold. Yeah. And that is kind of where we get to the point of the journey of Pearl when she gets into this world. And again, you know, we just have to state like, this world is not a normal world. This is the mafia world. This is like the criminal underbelly of things. Like there's criminal and then there's this world. Yeah. And it is 
you know, when you're reading this book, you have to take yourself in and out of the perspective of this. If this was going on in our own world and these people weren't having these thoughts and weren't like how the stylist was and how these men are, like in no way, shape or form, is this okay? (laughs) Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. So you will see in this book that we move through like point of views. So now we get introduced to the next main character, Crow. Crow Daddy. Crow Daddy. He is my first book boyfriend. He is the alpha male of my dreams. And later in the books, not in this book, but later in the series, this man. He is sexy. He's literally like Mossimo off of 365 DNA. Yes. We agree in that fan casting. If you have ever seen that on Netflix, that that is Crow. Speaking of fan casting, who would you fan cast as Pearl? Oh my God, what is her? You know, name? she's like described as like a brunette American, bright blue eyes. And she's like got a little pale. It's, um, I know it. It's Adriana. Oh, I'm going to kill her. I am not good with names, guys. How you know who I'm talking about? Adriana. The girl I hate. The girl you I hate. hate but, you don't hate um, her. Alexandra but... Daddario. Yes, Alex- Adriana. Alexandra. Adriana. Alexandra. Adriana Lee. Like, I just wanted to call her like, Alexandria Dido. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have known who you're talking about. And I just, I hate that you picked her. I really do. She's got the, okay, if we're going off, so this is, you guys will see where Hallie and I have extreme differences in things. I go off what is said in the book and then I Google search blue-eyed, brown-haired actress until And you pick, I like, find. the first one that pops up. It's I just, not the I first one. I, like, take time and I think about it and I do. Like, this, okay. She has some big old bitties, and she's beautiful. I think she's pretty. I think she's gorgeous. I just don't see her as Pearl, but that's fine. Okay, Maybe, fine. Who's I yours? I think it's because I've seen, like, everything she's been in. I just, like, really don't like her as an actress. Like, I just – everything she's in, she, like, just annoys me, which is really mean of me to say, but that's just what I feel. And, yeah, but that's okay. You can have your pick. Yours is, like, some model. So yeah, what's, what's mine is a model, Bridget – I cannot pronounce her last name – but we will post post them on our Instagram. So follow us on let's talk about smut podcast. And today we'll be posting pictures of our picks that we have, but we do both agree that crow is Massimo. Yes, we do. So we meet crow and, and all of his fierceness and just muscle mass he is with his brother Kane, and they are in this scene where they are getting their sister Vanessa back. And it's basically Vanessa for guns and money and whatever other equipment to her captor. And she is just been a sex slave she is in the same position that pearl is in and she's she- yeah she's with the guy named they know as bones and they're trying to get her back and we don't really know why bones has her at this point um but it's them too you know trying to come in and save her and they see vanessa and she is just a shell of a person and crow knows that you know, that's no longer his sister. She, the, he's completely broken Vanessa, but they're going to get her back and the deal goes wrong. He ends up, you know, about to reach her and, and have her and Bones ends up shooting her in the back of the head. And, and she dies in Crow's arms. Yeah. And we immediately now have this reasoning 
you know, of why Crow and Kane are on this revenge path <clears throat> as the book goes on. And you, you see that Crow and Kane are part of this world. They are not um, innocent men by any, any means. They're, they're in Bones' world. Um, they're in this criminal world. So now you have this reason for their revenge plot is here. And I think it's a good time to like point out the difference the differences between Cain and Crow as like Crow is this patient person. He's very decisive. He doesn't control freak. He's a control freak. He has to be the one to make the decision and then takes his time to follow through with it. Yeah, he can he can play the long game. <laughs> yes, he can. And then there's Kane who well, I can describe as like he thinks with his dick and he yeah. is spastic and he is like, let's go. There's no thought process to it. He wants to pull out his gun and shoot everybody. Yeah, he just like kind of he's super emotional and volatile almost and very quick on the trigger. Yeah. He's he's a crazy one. So then we get to Pearl and Bones' life. Um it's awful. He's ruthless. You know, he loves to play these little cat and mouse games where he's like chasing her around the house with a bat and he yeah. is raping her. He's abusing her. And it's it, just as awful as you can imagine. Yeah. Like he is doing just about everything you would think and then probably more. Yeah. And while she's there with Bones one night, he's having this, this dinner party and she ends up meeting another stylist in this world. That comes in to get her ready for this dinner. And it's kind of the same thing. She's seeing again that this is totally not the world that she knows where women can willingly do this to another to another woman and not help her. But in this moment, even though she's like hating the stylist, she's like plotting her death one day, the stylist gives her this idea that because the stylist is also a slave to her master that she claims that she honestly loves and but she ends up giving this kind of idea to Pearl here of, you know, it doesn't have to be as as bad as it is. And and Pearl's kind of like, well, what does that mean? And they kind of like, have this back and forth with each other because Pearl's not understanding the world that she's in. And this stylist, you can tell, like kind of has a grip on things. And she gives her the idea to, you know, this could be better what you need to do to make your life a little bit better is to make him fall in love with you. So we realize that Pearl is taking the stylist advice and bones is like showing her his life and is giving all small freedoms to her, which leads him to taking her out to the opera. And that's really where things start to heat up in this book. Yeah, you have, um, you know, she's basically been mind-fucking Bones this whole time and kind of playing into his ego and his pride. She's stroking it. Which is so cunning of her. I mean, she's so intelligent. And, you know, we find out that we don't all, well, we find out, but also Crow and Kane find out that... Bones has taken Pearl to his warehouse and he's taking her around. And so Crow and Kane, who have been sitting patiently waiting for a moment to get back at Bones and get their revenge plot started, they see now that 
you know, they believe Bones cares about this girl that he's bought. And so they hatch this plan. They're going to go check it out for themselves. And they, you know, find out that Bones is going to take her to the opera, which he never, ever does. Like, he's never taken any of his other, quote unquote, slaves out before, which just goes to prove how cunning and brilliant Pearl is at working Bones over. Yes. So, yeah, now we have this opera scene. And you have, again, dual point of views. You have Pearl here with Bones sitting. And then in the meantime, you have Crow and Kane who are like in this fucking air duct, like Mission Impossible style, spying on her. They are like, if you think of the Mission Impossible scene, they're like completely not doing this well. Like they're like elbowing each other, being like, shut up, dude, yeah. shut up. They're like trying to get the angle right. And he's like, little to the left, no bit. Like it's it's <laughs> it's this like moment of comedy here, right? With the brothers bantering. They have a paparazzi camera lens <laughs> thing and they are trying to get like the perfect angle and then finally you know they find pearl and bones in this private box and the whole time you know you see pearl in her own head is trying and thinking of like i'm gonna I, this might be a good time for me to escape like i'm in in public i can make a scene like i, I could get out of here and You've got then Crow watching her thinking about this. And this is where, like, you get some, like, lover sixth sense. Yeah. Like, he has this going on for Well, her. Kane's, like, going on and on about how hot she is and how he can't, you know, wait to do all these things to her. Crow is, like, locked in, not even listening to him and sees, you know, can read her so well off the bat that she's about to run and he knows it. So in this... Pearl excuses herself to Bones saying that she's going to use the restroom. And to her surprise, like, Bones does not object. So she's like, all right, this is the first part of my plan is working. So Yeah, peace out. <laughs> she gets up. She goes to the hallway. And this, folks, this is the moment. This is the moment. The that two lovers' ever- eyes meet to cross the bar at the opera. And that is that. So she's out in the hallway. And she's kind of, like, scoping the place out, being like, all right, what am I going to do? And then... Crow pieces out of the air duct and he is, he runs down to the hallway and he, as suave as can be, can be like, don't run. And don't you know, do it. Don't do it. Your plan is stupid. Like Bones' men are all outside. And immediately Pearl's like, are you one of Bones' men? Like what is going on? Yeah. I mean, she's super paranoid, right? She's like, because she is very attracted to this man, like this dark this dark and mysterious man in his dark suit and bright neon tie, which I just, I hate to even think about. The author put him in a neon tie, but whatever. That's his, and that's his, that's his type of style though. God, dark suit. I, just, I fucking hate it. Always in a bright neon color. tie, like ugh, whatever. So Stupid. Anyways. Yeah. yeah and she's kind of like, oh, like, is he going to help me? Is he not? Well, if he knows, then how does Bones not know? So it does. It, it it does what Crow wants, and it psychs her out, and it makes her go back to Bones. And when she gets back to Bones, she can tell that Bones kind of looks at her appraisingly, and she realizes that she has passed a test. Yeah, because Bones, Bones has thought and probably was ready for this event, hence why probably men were surrounding the building, is that Pearl was going to run. So she, in herself, wins a little bit of praise. I wouldn't say a lot, but a little bit of praise yeah. from Bones. Yeah, so then we continue with her just being with Bones. And even though her plan is working in the sense that Bones isn't as brutal 
as he's been in the past, he's still not making life fun for her. And we get to a point where they're at dinner and you see kind of Pearl's psyche is is bad. I mean, she's suicidal at this point. She's sitting at the, the dinner table and she's like plotting to take the knife and just stab herself and kill herself. And here comes Crow and Kane barging into the house. Bomb goes off. And <laughs> homegirl, like, automatically, again, like, goes She's into, like, fight fight or flight or flight mode. She does. tables over to, like, shield herself. And I'm just like, again, that would never be me. I hope it would, but it probably wouldn't. But good It would her. not be. And good she says, her. like, she saw this in a movie. So she, yeah. Like, yeah. flips the yeah. table. Flips the table hiding. And then she finds out she sees Crow. Crow comes to get her and she recognizes him because she's been thinking about this man for weeks now. And she is like, oh, he must be like an undercover cop. And Jacob called the authorities and now they've been following me and they're going to get me out of here. So she willingly goes with him. They get her out. She has the choice to like, what is just so crazy to me. Like, there's no hesitation with Pearl. She's like, like, I'm out. I'm out. Let's go. Let's go. The hot man from the opera is coming to save me. Let's fucking go. And then they get in the car and they get away. And she, you know, finally realizes that's not true. And Crow Ibigno says this line of, you left one monster to be with another. And she's like, oh, shit. This is not it. So we get to a point where they get to a safe house. Pearl has gone completely berserk in the vehicle. because She, you know, after he says that to her, she realizes like, Fucking Christ, guys. She went for this like, moment of like high hope and like elation to just like her world gets dropped again. Yes. So he, you know, basically Crow is the only one that can contain her. She has injured some of his men. She like I mean, stabbing she, people left and yes, right. She, she went stabs full Kane, exorcist. the brother who tries to go and rape her. She stabs him. It's just a ton of back and forth of her just, like, she does not give up. And, again, you see this throughout the whole book. Pearl, and Crow sees this right yes, here. Yes, he it's does. this moment of, like, instant respect for her. And he finds her with, you know, she's about to stab herself again. She ends up getting her hand on a knife from one of the men, and he ends up stopping her. And you really see Pearl actually fully break down here. And she's begging, do you have no mercy? And so he ends up giving her this choice, right, of you can either stay here with my men and Kane, and you know what will happen, or you can come with me to my house. But if you come with me, I'm going to sedate you because you cannot see where you're going and all this stuff. But again, he's kind of giving her this choice, and you'll find this theme with Crow a lot is that no matter how awful he is, he does always kind of give her these choices. and. Pearl ultimately decides, you know, she's going to go with him because she's weighing her odds here. And I don't blame her. She's going to go with, you know, one man instead of staying with 20 that are going to brutally abuse her. Yep. So it's basically come with me, live by my rules or stay here. So she ultimately goes with Crow. And this is when you just see this sudden change in her life. Like she wakes up and she is in this beautiful Italian home. It's beautifully styled and decorated. She's in this bright room. It is completely different than what she had with Bones. Yeah, she has like freedom to go around the house. She has Lars, this sweet butler that just waits on her hand Oh, Lars. He's a pearl. 
Lars is a pearl, like pearl. He is. And you, yeah, you kind of just see this compare and contrast of just her life. And then we kind of like, you have to remember though, like while we have this great thing happening for Pearl, she's still not in any way, shape or form in better conditions. And you learn that in Crow's point of view. Like he is just off the bat. He hates her. He cannot stand her. Yeah. He makes some really big declarations here of what he wants to to do to her. Um, which I think, you know, it's really what he wants to do to Bones, not really her. Um, but, I mean, I think that he's really angry and resentful towards her because he just had this comparison made between Vanessa and Pearl. And when he found Vanessa with Bones, Vanessa was just this shell of a person. I mean, it ends up dying. And then you have Pearl, who is in the exact same position that Vanessa was in, and she is able to make it out. I mean, she is fighting left and right. She still has her spirit left. She's not the shell of a person. She's anything but. And I think he is just kind of subconsciously, that's really where this hate for Pearl comes from deep down. It really does. So, you know, you get into started with life of Crow and Pearl. And he, like, again, this man is not innocent in any way, shape, or form. He is not a knight in shining armor whatsoever. So he tries to rape her the first time. And, you know, cause that was his way of getting revenge. You have to think in this world, it's blood for blood, family over everything. And he thinks again, let me do all these evil things to Pearl who means something to bones. And that will help me get revenge on my sister against bones. Yeah. Because, you know, bones is this elusive criminal. He, He's so well hidden, they can't ever really get to him. It's not like they can just show up at his door and go take care of it themselves, which they would have. It's really kind of this only moment they have waited so long to get to, and it's really their only shot, the way they see it. Yeah. So it's not right. It's not an excuse, but it is an explanation, I think, in their world of why they've decided to do what they can. But again, uh, Crow cannot go through with it. He cannot. And, you know, then we lead to some more weeks where Pearl really is. She is getting... The vacation that she deserved in I mean, St. hanging Thomas. out by the pool, reading her books. And I mean, she, she's at the fucking spa. And you know what? She deserves it. She really does. She does. And I'm not, again, we are not saying this is a better circumstance of what she's in and is this right at all. It's not. But her life is very different from with Bones. And, and she knows that. She even goes yes. on at one point and she's like comparing and contrasting. Like her, she gets, says this one part where her body's even healing. And because she hasn't had any of the abuse that she's had with bones, her body's starting to heal. And, you know, she kind of leaves this thought of, I wonder if everything will go back to the way or if her mind will heal too or, or anything like that. But she's seeing where, I mean, she's enjoying it in some aspect that it's not bones. <laughs> yes. And there is just this, like, Crow is, he's hot, right? This man yeah. is... And she's Beautiful. checking him out. Like she oh, all the is, time. knows that there's an attraction there. Yeah. They go to, you know, they're eating breakfast together when she allows herself to go down there. Like, again, she has a choice. Like, she does not force in any way, shape, or form with Crow to do anything she doesn't want to do. But there is a lot of banter of cat and mouse game between them in these weeks. And she is growing. I wouldn't say she likes him, but there is a small fondness for Crow. And yeah. that leads us to the second time where Crow is like, like, I'm going to go in and 
rape her, but he has it in, that's his intention, but he is only doing this. And that leads to our dream scene. Yeah. Really. Where all, all Pearl is having a wet dream about Crow. She is. And, and she does not realize it's happening in real life as well. Yeah. <laughs> she finally wakes up and she sees that Crow is doing everything in her dream to her actually in real life. And it's kind of the first time where she realizes that, you know, she even says, I didn't even know my body could be aroused anymore. I didn't know. She gets kind of close to orgasm at one point And she's like, I didn't even know this was an option for me anymore. That's how broken that she thought she was. But she also knows that like, this is not what she wants. Like she, yeah. th- at the end of the day, this is still rape and it's not her choice. And she is like, please, you know, she tells him to stop. No, she's and not she consenting to any of this. She says, Crow, you know, please stop. And he does. And he, in his mind, he, as soon as he sees her tears, he's just like, I can't do this. And by the end of the scene, you see Pearl finally show some respect towards him because she even says, you know, she ends up giving him a kiss at the end of the night. And she's like, thank you. You know, thank you for not doing that. But also thank you for, she goes on to say, you know, give me my, my choice back and my, some sort of control back. And you gave me a voice tonight and her voice matters to him. So you kind of start seeing where Pearl is just not afraid of him in this aspect anymore. You know, she even calls him out a couple of times about how you're all talk and no action. You know, you say all these horrible things, but every time you try to follow through with them, you can't even bring yourself to do it. He is all bark and no bite. Yeah. So Kane shows up and, you know, he... You know, Crow comes home and Kane is there. And Lars is like, oh, your brother's here. And Crow immediately knows, like, he's not here to talk to me. He's come for Pearl. And so he ends up finding Kane and Pearl. And Kane has her tied up and is beating her with the belt. Yeah. And Crow is immediately enraged and protective over her. And he ends up saving her. He ends up, you know, choking Kane out with the belt that he's using on Pearl. He's not having any of it. You know, yeah, sets, you know, cuts, you know, brings, gets Pearl out of the, the restraints, gives her a blanket to cover up with. And then he goes on to beat Kane's ass basically and tell him to get out and don't fucking come back. And Kane leaves him with this promise that, you know, the next time I show up, if she's not black and blue, and if you can't follow through with our plan, then Kane's going to do it himself. So he yeah. leaves on kind of on this threat, right? And Crow's just like, well, shit, this is another thing I have to deal with. But and he I, does. He ends up saving Button. Yes, he does. Pearl. Well, yeah, well, Pearl. So we get to this point where, you know, again, they're going back and forth. Crow knows that he can't let her go because he's dealing with this internal battle of, you know, I, I, my brother also has the right to be upset. You know, I'm upset, but I, he, you can start to see Crow soften and he has this great idea with some buttons. Yeah. Old Pearl comes into his office one day to be all kind of sweet. And really it's her kind of manipulating him. Like she tried to do with bones. Um, she's dressed up and she comes in and she's like, Oh, you know, thank you. Blah, blah, blah. And Crow sees it and he gets mad. And he realizes that she isn't scared of him anymore, which makes him end up slapping her across the face to kind of get back some of this control that he clearly knows he's losing in this battle. He's trying to scare and her again. 
he is, and he even says, you know, which is not, does not, is not to make it right. You never, ever hit a woman, period. But he even goes, I didn't even really hit her hard. I just want to get her attention. And he thinks that he has just made this big, you know, big move to scare her. Well, you haven't because old Pearl comes back swinging and just she winds up. I mean, as hard as she can. And she is knocking him out of the park. Shit out of him. <laughs> and Crow loves it. That is Crow his Crow is like, please, thank you, God. It's a wet dream for him. <laughs> like, he he loves it. Like, there's no hard. surprise on his face. He is six to midnight. Real quick, just yeah. from this one action. And he, like, ends up kissing her kind of aggressively, and they have this really big sexual tension-filled moment. And he ends up telling her to get the fuck out unless she wants to be bent over his desk. Like, and, Crow- and Pearl's like, okay, whatever, you psycho, bye. She literally is like, you're fucking you're weirdo. Fucked up. Like, you slap me, then you're hard, and you like it. And now you want me out. Like, I, like, the emotions just keep turning yeah. in this. But on her way out, she sees these paintings that he's talked about before in the book, and it's these paintings with, these bu- with his buttons on them, and he ends up getting this idea. And the next night at dinner, he brings this arrangement forward, and he's like, I'll let you go, but you have to basically please me, and you get a button. And when you fill this jar up with 365 buttons, I'll let you go. So it's and about if, a year of sex. Yeah. And if you don't, then that's fine. But you will never leave this place and you will be taken care of and, you know, all that. But you'll basically live out your servitude being my maid. Or you can have sex with me for a year. And Pearl, you know, she goes to think it over. But she also knows, again, she is going to take the year agreement because she refuses to live out her year, her life with with no freedom. So she ends up taking this agreement. And now we have the smut of the book finally starting. This is it. He goes in, uh, the, the first sex scene of them, he goes in to obviously exchange a button. And this is the first time, like they are having consensual sex. Yeah. She, you know, they kind of start out and, Pearl is enjoying it. I mean, she hates that she's enjoying it, but she is. And they get to the point of, I, first of all, let's back up. I love how she, like, he makes her go down on him. And she he's like, oh, you give such good head. And in her mind, I love this line. It's like, wow, that was a nice compliment. <laughs> she does. She's just like, oh, well, thank you. Like, thank she you. really does. Like, that was oh, nice of you. Thank you. Do I? Great. <laughs> wow. And she even says, like, she's done this for Bones before, but this isn't as bad because, hey, at least he's hot. Like, she's she's finding the silver lining here. Of all of these things. I mean, like, honestly, yeah, girl. Like, You do what you got to do. <laughs> you do you what know? you got to do in that. And she's already said she's going to do what she needs to survive and she's not going to apologize for it. No. And she shouldn't. And so they end up getting to the part where they're about to have sex and – you know, we start to see this PTSD come in from Bones and, and the fear of it. It's her first time that she's going to be having sex after everything she's gone through. And Crow sees this and ends up, you know, telling her, you know, stay with me. I'm not him. And in the midst of her panic, he calls her Button. And Which he gives just- her, I know, Ugh. he gives her this 
you know, before he had called her baby before, but that's kind of like this generic pet name. This is like a name specifically for her. And she finds that she loves it. And it instantly kind of calms her down and kind of brings her back. And it leads to them having sex. And as much as she tries to not enjoy it, she does. (laughs) Oh, she does. She does. And again, they're playing this like, power struggle game even while having sex and it's just this really passionate scene I felt like oh it was so passionate and like just the descriptors of this whole scene like him just taking his time with her it is just the foreplay of my dreams yeah like she even says like are you gonna hurt me and he goes no we're gonna take it like nice and easy like he knows what she's been through and I, he really is he, – he even makes a promise to her, which we all know his promise is law, that it's going to, you know, it's going to be good for her. And, and she'll enjoy it. Yeah, she will enjoy it, and it won't be painful or anything like that. And he follows through, and homegirl gets her first orgasm that she didn't even know she could even do anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, let's talk about this. She – prior to this, yes, yeah, she's had this – the, all these encounters with bones that have been completely awful. But even before this, when she's with Jacob, she isn't having life-altering sex. Like she, you know, this is her first time as a woman having an orgasm where the man is giving her that orgasm. Right, right. And she even says, like, in the book, she's like, Crow gives me sex that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Which... Same girl, same. That's great. Yeah, I know. Same, honey, same. Same, hun. And she, um, yeah, I mean, so she kind of just battles with herself through all of this. It's because she loves it so much, but she hates it, and she hates for loving it. So it's just kind of this little self-loathing shame spiral. And But Crow knows. Crow the next day is, like, reminiscing about the night, and he's like, I know she enjoyed it, and he knows. He's a cocky son of a bitch. He is, which is just like, I don't know why. It just makes him so much more appealing. I know. <laughs> like, I, know, I, know. I love alpha males. So when they have this like air. ego and just air about themselves, that just is like, I'm powerful. I'm like, please take me and just spread me <laughs> apart. <laughs> <laughs> spread me apart. I will do whatever you want. Yeah, I will. I mean, there are some restrictions. I will not do some things, but <laughs> we have some hard limits. But <laughs> I did. They're hard. <laughs> but it this just their love scenes in general are. Whew. But yes, Crow continues on. He knows, and Pearl again is she's dealing with guilt. I mean, she's going back and forth with her struggle of Jacob. And things like that. And she is having a hard time wrestling with these ideas. Yeah. So as basically every night now, Crow will come into her room and give, you know, her the little button. But like after their first time, Pearl is no longer really hesitant about this. She knows how good it is now. And she really starts to kind of play with him now in, in these scenes. And you know, the second night he comes in and he makes her, you know, go down on him again. But she's way more into it. She is, like, fondling the nuts. She is... She's grabbing the grapes. Yeah. And, like, with... And he even says, like, I didn't have to tell her to do that. So, like, she's definitely getting more into it and voluntarily now doing these things that she wants to do. And 
Crow, again, this power struggle is here, and he knows that she's enjoying it. And so he ends up withholding orgasms from her because he wants admission. He wants her to say out loud how much she's enjoying having sex with him. And she even, like, she doesn't want to say it, but he also puts her in this position, like an actual position of time. Actual position of being on all fours exposed. All, all fours exposed. And she's like, oh, man. Like, Homegirl is just really, really, really wanting that orgasm. Okay? She's melting like butter. She is. <laughs> He, what did you, what did you say he, he's playing? What did you say? He's playing with the kitty or something? Oh, yes, he is. I don't know. He's panting at the kitty. He's blowing oh my on God. the kitty. Yes, I hate, he I hate, but I love swirling it. swirling on the kitty. He, is, he has the kitty. <laughs> Just put it that way. He has tamed the kitty. He has. And the kitty loves him. Yeah. But and, what, wait, you've also referred to it as <laughs> not even crow anymore it's just she doesn't like crow but she loves the crow she loves big yeah the crow penis she likes she likes uh penis crow she likes penis crow a lot loves penis crow she hates crow but she loves penis crow i mean yes but she does i mean we all we all love penis crow we all love penis crow i mean this is like even direct into our own life like you know my husband can piss me off but you love penis steven there's Penis Steven, and I'm like, God <laughs> damn it, Penis Steven. Every time. <laughs> you get me every time. <laughs> yeah, so he ends up getting, he it does. She ends up, he ends up getting this admission from her, and he's not done yet. He continues after he gives, gives her this orgasm to continue to make her scream all night long, apparently. <laughs> and again, Pearl is now, again, in this another spiral of like, God, I hate that I love this so much. And I gave him the satisfaction the other night. And she's like thinking about Jacob and how she feels guilty because, you know, Jacob's at, she thinks Jacob is at home just pining for her and so worried. And here she is having this mind-blowing sex that she's now choosing Yeah, and like Jacob's have. at home like – Probably has the police looking for her and is just has, you know, she's making up a ton of scenarios in her head. Yeah. So enough is enough. And she realizes that she's loving this so much that she wants, like, she even says, like, it's time for me to get out of here because I want to stay. And so she ends up coming up with this assassination plan. She's going to go and slit Crow's throat in the middle of the night oh, so she like waits for everyone to be asleep she sneaks downstairs to Lars's domain Lars's she's, kitchen, <laughs> Lars's kitchen <laughs> and she's like fucking just like all I imagine is just like tip tail tip tail yeah tip, like tip. creeping around and she ends up finding this kitchen knife she sneaks upstairs to Crow's room and she's standing over him with a knife to his throat about to slit his throat but she takes a moment to look at him look at him one more time and it's like at this point you're like bitch you got it so bad. <laughs> yeah like you really are screwed like and your situation sucks how you got here sucks but you are very much into this man and this is i think my favorite scene of the whole book oh god this is like 100 percent. this is my favorite this is scene spice and steam galore yeah so in this moment of hesitation as she's gazing upon his beautiful face and he ends up waking up and she thinks like oh crap i'm done for i'm fucked 
But he is like, almost looks bored. Like he's just laying there looking at her, not doing anything. He kind of settles in and he ends up telling, he ends up shocking her and says, do it. Just do it because you'd be doing me a favor because, you know, he he couldn't do it for himself, which kind of gives you a glimpse into kind of this self-hatred and loathing that he has for himself. He has a lot of demons. A lot of demons. He's very, it's kind of, you get more into what that past is in the later books, but you do, you see this moment where clearly he thinks he should, he would be better off dead too. And she just cannot bring herself to do it. And he continues to, to urge her on. He even says, you know, after everything I've done to you, you deserve, like, I deserve this, like, do it. And you deserve to be the one to do it. Like. <laughs> yeah. And she's still, like, she knows she can't. And at one point, he kind of pushes the knife into his neck and he starts to bleed. And she immediately blood. is like, she says, even says that her heart aches for like the pain that she just caused him. Like seeing that blood, like she doesn't want, she realizes she never ever wanted to kill him or hurt him. And she comes to comes realization that because he creates such big, high emotions in her, that the hate and the love get, you know, there's a fine line between love and hate. And she's realizing now it wasn't really hatred that she was feeling towards him, but feelings like she feels for him. Yeah, she's and it. she's falling in love with him, even if she doesn't know it. So she can't do it. So then starts them having this really emotional raw sex. It enters this blood kink here, and he ends up <laughs> nicking her neck with the knife, and like licks her blood up. And then he makes her do the same to him. And it's this blood swappage now that's happening. It's it's so it's blood swappage, but I like it's not vampire. Like I think like he is starting at like her clavicle and just like licking up her neck <laughs> and the same. Like that is how I imagine like slow seductive. Yeah, lick slow up the neck. seductive blood kink. And it's almost like you see in this moment, and as this book continues, you'll see this is like their like. They, you know, when you like cut your hand and you cut your friend's hand and you have like yes. this best friend pact. This is their sexy version of that. This is the sexy version of we have a blood pact and here we are. It's just this like carnal primal moment that. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's just like I'm not reading it and I was like, am I into this? And, and I was. Like, I Why told am you, I into this? I specifically remember texting you and being like, He's licking her blood. He's licking her blood. Oh, and shit. And I'm loving it. And I'm like, shit, she's licking his blood. She's licking his blood. Like, it's just like constant back and forth. Like, just, And it's like, kind of not. this like moment, I think, of where Crow and her are now like on this equal playing field. Like, you draw blood from me. I'm going to draw blood from you. And we are now equals. Even though they continue to power struggle in this moment, they are. They are equals here. And she even goes on to say, like, with this blood swappage, that what it does is that it immediately makes all of her walls come down and she's now facing her feelings and that she, she doesn't say she loves him, but it, it's there, right? Yeah, and she is. is now trusting him. So they end up just getting it on all real nice and passionately. Like, yeah, this is, so this is her first time on top of him. Yeah. And she is like, the, t- the freaking descriptors here of just like crow penis. It's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're like, is this man real? Like, yeah. Can, can you, can a man really be There's a reason this? he's fictional, and this is why. <laughs> this is it. And at the end of it, 
they end up sleeping together in his bed, like cuddling. And she ends up making these distinctions here where there are two sides to crow. There is a beast side and there is the man, the human side. And she realizes that she's seeing this kind of man side of him, the human side of him. And it's a side that she doesn't really know yet. And it's kind of this softness and this humanity, humility that he has. So we got the beast penis and we got the man penis. We have both. And she's liking the beast penis, I'm just going to say. She likes beast penis. And even in this moment, she's liking just regular old crow peen. She yeah. She really is. She just loves all of crow. All she, of crow. She does. So then, you know, they have their cute cuddle sesh. They wake up in the next morning. And she is loving crow. She's kind of watching him go through his morning routine. Like, he gets out of Checking the Checking him out. Like, she wants him to come back and, like, get it on again. She does. So... But in this moment, like, as he's getting ready, he does come over and he does kiss her and let her know that, like, she needs to be punished for her master's assassination. 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 And she knows, like, yeah, assassination. And it's, I love the visual here. Like, he's getting ready in this, like, power suit. And with his fucking ties. <laughs> yeah, with his fucking neon tie. I can't. He has a teal tie. And, and just, please just stop like, with the ties. Stop. Like, you're ruining it. You're ruining my fantasy here. But he comes over in this, you know, three-piece suit, and the monster is back, right? And she thinks, you know, it's a visual representation here, and he gives her, like, one last little soft kiss, and then he just delivers this line, like, tonight I'm punishing you, and an assassination attempt on your master cannot go unpunished. And you're and just like Pearl's God, just Crow. like, great, we're back to square one. Yeah. And and even as the reader, you're just like, can we just get to the like more yeah. sex? Like, I just like guys, stop with this. And Crow is like such a at this point. Like oh, he, he is in his mindset, he is just like going on and on about how he can never stop thinking about her. And he has such respect for her and she he loves you know her fight and her feistiness and i mean he has so many feelings towards her it's so clear and here we go again with putting on this show now of oh and i'm going to hurt you again which is just shut up <laughs> like, yeah like enough so we get to a point where you know he's getting ready and you can't forget about old kane Kane, you know, we've got, this has been like a month together, like from Kane's last visit to now. And Kane, again, is, he returns. He's pissed. He is also like Crow, where he is very good looking. He rolls up in a sports car. And Lars, Pearl of a man that you don't even like, we're not touching Lars a lot in this book, but I just have to, Hallie, I just have to. He's like Alfred from Batman. He is Alfred from Batman. He is described as the butler, but he literally is the chef, the butler. He probably sharpens crow's knives. Yeah, like legit. (laughs) Like he does everything for this man. So Lars. And Pearl loves him. Like Pearl at one point even says how like Lars is the first man I've met through my quote unquote adventure like, okay, that's what you want to call this. Sure. I call it personal hell, but yeah, let's call it an adventure. I like to see yeah, we're in this side. like sixth realm of hell right now. But yeah, sure. but it's fine. She is, that just speaks to her character, right? She is like, you know, the first man I've ever met that treats me as a person and not as an object. So she has this big respect for Lars, this very, very sweet, sweet man. And, and yeah, Lars so Kane, comes and gets him. Yeah. So 
Lars comes and gets him and, you know, he's like, Kane's here. So Crow goes and puts her, hides, you know, hides her from him. In his green glory room, which is like. It's like Christian Grey's red room of pain, but it's yes. now Crow's green glory room. It is. So just think like Christian Grey, but green. <laughs> and it makes me so, I mean, cause it's not, it's not a red room of pain. It's not. It's the green glory room. Yeah. Wait, we have to back up here though. Cause we did not talk about the punishment scene. Oh my God. No. Cause Kane comes first and then they, they belt it out. Right. No. Then they have anal. Oh, listeners, I'm sorry. I know. Back in, uh, I We're just really eager to get to this, like, anal scene over here. I really want to hear how he <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm pushing forward on the notes, like, let me yeah, Let's back up to the punishment scene. Which, like, okay, look, let's just talk about this for a minute. We have the first time, and it's, like, this missionary sweet moment. Then we have this admission moment where things get a little more kinkier. Then we have the assassinated ship and the blood kink. Now we have the punishment, which is this belt scene. Like, we are just slowly stacked. This is why I gave this book a four out of five on the spiciest level, because... We stack it up. I mean, you make some progress here. And it's quick progress. I mean, yeah. you're reading, but, the, I mean, your sex scenes are flying. Yeah. Through. And they're they are. one after the other, like more and more. Here we go. So now we have this punishment scene, and Parlick isn't really scared of him, scared of him whenever he's talking about what he's going to do to her, until he comes up with the fact that he's going to give her five spankings with the belt. And Pearl knows she's already been there, done that with bones, and it was absolutely horrible for her. And she realizes, you know, I'm not doing this. Like he, he always gives her the choice to say no whether it's not getting a button or not. But she's like, this is not something I'm going to do. And so then she realizes, you know, Crow is like, well, they start this negotiation now. She learns that she can negotiate with her buttons. Because they're and currently. And Crow is like, I'll give you two buttons instead of one for this. And she goes, um, oh, no, let's do five. Yeah, you can give me five if you're, like, a button spanking. Really. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. You don't know the pain I'm about to go in. I do. I, well, she thinks she knows, right? Because she's been there, done that. Like, I'm not doing this for any less than five. And they, again, have this power struggle, but she is, like, determined to win this battle with him. And she does. He ends up not relenting, and he's like, fine, five buttons. Fine, you get five. So they go in, and, you know, she's like, you're about to beat me. And he's like, I'm not going to beat you. You're going to like it. And she's like, no, I won't. Fuck you. And she ends up, she does. She likes it. She does like it. And she's still, this is shame, though, is sitting on her, right? Because she's just like, how can I like something like this? It's so dark for her. And especially after everything she's been through, she's just like, I don't know what's going on with my body. Like, again, it's just her body. She kind of feels like her body's betraying her. And Crow knows she is, like, loving it. I mean, Crow even says, like, you've never been this wet before. Like, you are loving this. Your panties are soaked. You cannot Yeah. Lie. And they end up having this great moment and she loves it even though she hates that she loves it. And Crow has this realization that like they both realize, I think even Pearl right here says this line where it's like, I realize that I'm a beast just like him. Mm -hmm. 
Crow realizes, like, another thing he loves about her is that he's finally kind of met his match. I mean, he describes her as, like, the ultimate opponent. And he ends up, at one point, you know, talking about how he finally, he loves that she will go to this dark side with him, talking about their sex life. And Crow, his ultimate goal here, what he always wanted, was not to hurt her, but he wanted her to like him hurting her. And that's his... That's what gets him off. Like yeah. every time Pearl combats him, like I know we're not touching on it at a time, but he is. He talks about he has got boner alerts consistently through this book. Yeah. Every time Pearl shows her strength, every time Pearl like combats Says him, no to him or, or bites him to, or yeah, whatever. Goes eye to eye with him. He is, he is into it. Yeah. And so he finally is like getting what he wants. Like he knows that she's – and that's why he, I think, is so satisfied in this moment, too, is because it's like, I'm not hurting her. I mean, I am, but she's she wants me to, and she's enjoying it. Yeah. And so you have this moment where they kind of are realizing now that things are compatible. <laughs> and it is. Well, and I think, like, what we don't – maybe that's just our bad for not really explaining. This is such a, like, dominant and submissive relationship. Yeah. And, you know, that – is in the reality of people's sex lives these days. Yeah, and, and if anything, you know, if people who are who know about you know dominant and sub relationships, the sub really has all the control, even though from the outside I mean it looked like that, they do. And that's no different here with Pearl um playing the submissive. He gives her a safe word every time. And you know, it's always up to her if she could say no or stop, and he immediately will. And that's like where the true control here is in this. Yes, is that Pearl can stop anytime she wants, but she's not. And she, again, it adds to her shame and her humiliation that she has. But yeah, I think I'm I'm bursting at the seams, like in the sense that I need you to. We have to go to Kane so we can get to the scene, the scene, the scene, yeah. the sex scene of the book. So, yeah, yeah. Back, back to the Green Glory room here. You know, Kane comes in and he's just like, you know, Crow's like, okay, go get in the Green Glory room and hide. And it's the first time Pearl is seeing this like room that he has. And <laughs> which is on like, like the top floor of his house. <laughs> and it literally, when Pearl walks in, she's just like, what the fuck? Where, where the fuck is, yeah. where, like, what? Like, like, excuse me. And I love that he goes, make yourself comfortable. And she's like, she's like, excuse me? And she's like viewing the leather straps against the walls. And she's the like, hanging for sure. Hooks. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. yeah let sure. me get comfortable, get comfortable in this torture room. Sure. Like, are you, have you lost your mind? <laughs> she does. So Kane and Crow have this interaction where you really see like Crow's territorial side that, you know, he's had throughout the whole book, but it's here. And he is now doing what, what I think is probably the hardest thing for Crow at the point, at this point in the story. Like he is choosing his brother and their whole revenge plan, or is it Pearl? So he does like he, Kane's like, you know, obviously where she at, like what's going on. And Crow is like, dude, you're not touching her. Like, this is mine. This is my bit. We like, will find some other way to get your revenge. And he, and Kane is pissed. Cause yeah. I think you have to realize like they don't have any other family members. And again, that goes into way later in the series of what has happened to their family. But Crow is the alpha male in their brotherly relationship like Kane is the sidekick and again what Crow say Crow says is law and Kane is like 
dude, no. Like I am, this is, this is probably Kane's first time sticking up to his brother being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is happening? Like, you're not going to take my revenge away. (laughs) No, you're not. And Kane also tells Crow that Bones is back in the picture. But he tells Crow that Bones has offered, has reached out and offered $20 million for her. Yeah. So they figure out, like, Bones has figured out that Crow and Kane have Pearl. Yeah. And, you know, Kane's like, can you imagine? Like, isn't this crazy? Like, we're going to be so rich. And Crow's like, no, like, I'm not, he's not getting her back. And, and, and it does bring in together, now you're seeing in the later books, if you keep reading, which I hope you do, you have Kane now that's kind of at their back. You have Bones now that's back looking for her. Um, and so Crow's got a lot of shit to deal with. <laughs> yeah. And Crow's like, I can't just let her go now because Bones is definitely going to pick her back up if I let her go. And two, Kane's going to end up finding her and having his own revenge with her. So I'm definitely not letting her go now. At all. So, you know, they have this feud back and forth and then Kane leaves on this like high note of like, we're not brothers at this moment. Like that's how he leaves. He's like, all right, this yeah. is, this is not, I, I will get what I want. Yep. And Crow is like, fuck man. Fuck. <laughs> he literally is just like, fuck man. Damn it. <laughs> so then we go back to this green glory room. This is the scene folks. <laughs> This is it for me. <laughs> and before they, like, kind of get to it, though, they really have this great kind of rare moment of, like, open communication here. And Pearl starts asking him some questions that, of course, he's going to make her pay with buttons to it's get answers. It's currency, again. So they're and, each other here. Yeah. And we find out some things about Crow. We find out that he's never uh, raped anyone before. We know that he's never had this slave quote unquote, before. And we learned that he's doing it for revenge on, on Bones. And Pearl does not know about Vanessa. Pearl does not know how deep this revenge goes. And we also learned that Kane and Crow and Bones have had this fuel for a very, very long time feud, a long, long time. It started with their fathers and it's kind of just trickled down into them. They kind of inherited this war and it's because they both are in uh, – they're both arms dealer. Yes. And, like, you learn that over dinner one night with, like, um, Crow and Pearl. They're talking a little bit more about it. Pearl finds out that he has, like, a front business, which is Barsetti Wines. So his name is Crow Barsetti. So that's that. Yeah. And then this business that he has with Kane is this arms dealer's thing and that – Fathers, grandparents, grandfathers, all of these people, great, 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 have had this relationship with Bones. So this goes back years and years and years and years. Yeah. So we find out that. And then he kind of touches on their their agreement, their button agreement. And she's kind of like, you know, why did you come up with that? And he finally kind of tells her, like, I knew that you needed a reason. To want me. To want me. Because I knew that you wanted it. But you were never, ever going to, like, allow yourself you couldn't have handled that, but if you made just that free choice. And he was like, so I, you know, I put in place this, now you had a reason you had something to work for and work towards. And that's kind of where this whole currency system came from on Crow's point. It's kind of like this little act of mercy that he gives her on her sanity, like to have control. Yeah. It gives her control back. And Pearl, you know, sees this and, as they kind of keep going, she kind of keeps going with these questions. And he's like, you're going to have to pay for this. And 
you know, I want sex, you want answers, so keep going as high as you can. She only had, like, I think, like, two or three buttons at the time. And She's eight. She's eight buttons. Eight. Yeah. And what she was asking was going over her amount. Yeah. So he was like, that's fine, but then if you keep going, like, then we're going to get it on, basically. And yep. to rectify this, this uh, debt, he decides that they are going to put anal on the table. And, and he's going to start with some of his little toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love before they start, you know, they always like, they do, they like, kind of have conversations before things go down and they kind of like set these boundaries in place. And like, he's like, uh, she's like seven buttons and he goes five. And she was like, no, 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 no. I've done this before and it's actually awful and you are not sticking anything in my butt for less than seven. Yeah, she is not, but play is in like same, like no, like no. <laughs> don't touch my butt. <laughs> you, you don't. You don't like. You don't like your butt. <laughs> I don't. I don't like my butt. So, <laughs> I I do have to say, like, I haven't made a ton of sound effects, but Hallie knows this about me is that I feel like I need like a, a Broadway musical like following me daily. Yes. <laughs> and do you have a sound effect that you want to make right now? Talk. If you fart, I swear to God, I would never. Okay, good. I, during this whole scene, I just have this song like. I want you to want me. Oh my gosh. I need you. Someone get a sound effect so we can stop hearing her fucking sing. And that's like what I have during their whole question game. He's like, yep, keep asking because I want you, girly. I want your butt, honey. I want you, girly. (laughs) And so he's like, so finally he's like, fine, what about this? If you don't enjoy it, it'll be seven. But if you enjoy it, it's five. And she goes, well, how do you know I'm just not going to lie to you? And he goes, because we don't lie to each other. (laughs) That's not what we do. That's not what we do. (laughs) So she's like, all right, let's roll. She is. So he warms her up. He does. He he gives her a little. He did gives her a little. God, I don't even know how you do anal, right? (laughs) Have you ever ever done anal? (laughs) No. Have you? Yeah. (laughs) Like once. I hated it. It wasn't for me. I mean, like, okay. My anxiety is just too high. Like, okay, I'm I won't. I won't lie terrified. to you. I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you. I guess, like, I had to say no because it made me feel good. But since you were honest, I guess I'll be honest. I know I don't like it, and I think it's because I did not have an experience as what Pearl had. Like, it was yeah, just, I didn't know. No, my experience it was just, nowhere near. That. It was just too fucking. Young adults being like, "Ooh, let's give it a shot." Let's I'm see like, what this does. I'm cla- like. I don't want to run you through the seat of my life, but I like, no, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> it was just not, it was just not for me. So yeah, that's my, it wasn't, it was not for me at all. And that's totally fine. Maybe if I had this experience that Pearl had, maybe it would be different, but it's just not for me. And if it is for you, great. That's great. That's great. Good and like, for you. Reach out and maybe tell us your experience and maybe, give us some tips and tricks here. <laughs> I don't know. Tips and tricks. Um, I'm sorry, listeners. I will never lie to you again. I just like, I'm so, I don't know why I'm so embarrassed. I mean, episode that. one, and here we go. You're just already being un- I'm untruthful. Being, I'm untruthful. How dare you? you Our listeners me. deserve better. They do. I'm sorry, guys. I just, oh God, why? I'm like blushing. <laughs> I wish you guys could see me. I'm like sweating I love now. this. I love this. Okay, <sighs> so they're going to go here. and do anal here, and- Every time I read an anal scene, I'm always, again, like, my anxiety. I'm, like, my anxiety is that someone's going to, like, shit themselves, right? Just like poop that. on themselves. Yeah, I, like, that's where I'm Here's the thing. Like, I, and I know, like, I know in anal, like, that is 
And you take it steps happens. beforehand. It, and like you to do, help. you're supposed to do all these things. And I think that's what it is for me. There's just like so much prep work. And like I I know that you it just don't have time for this. I just don't. <laughs> like I literally don't. I like I'm I'm working, I'm a working gal. And yeah. I just like <laughs> I can't. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, again, good for you. Maybe if I would put more effort into it, I would have enjoyed it, but no. And I just I, every time I read an anal scene, I'm just like Oh my God, in real life, that's not true. Like somebody would definitely shit themselves at one point, right? You shit in the bed. Well, or you would shit on the dick. On it. You, you would shit on dick. And I feel, but Hallie, like that has happened. And I think it's just like you have to have such a, I don't want to say like we all have close relationships with our husbands at all, but like, like that is just like my nightmare. Like, no, but like, no, but it's true though. It, if anything, like psychologically, when couples do anal, it, it is this huge, like, you have to have so much trust here. Like, you're super vulnerable here. That may say something about us, Hallie. And I don't think it's like, it's not that I don't trust Steve at all. Like, I do. Like, he would never harm me in any way, shape, or form. But I do not have enough trust in myself to keep No, it's because we're, we're control freaks. Like, oh, we're, I'm such a fucking type A. Yeah. Like, I'm fun and outgoing and, like, woo, life is great and, like, try to find the positive note. But, like, I'm the one that forces the positive note in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I have written – I am my own cheerleader. Like, I put – like, it, it's in my to-do list. Like, oh, you're going to have a positive moment. <laughs> you can make this work today. You can. But, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think, again, it's just kind of speaking to their compatibility and he does it right. You know, he – Takes his time with her. He, does. he, he gives her starts a little with finger a little, moment. little finger moment. Then he works up to like the butt plug moment. Which we have to touch on what the fucking butt plug looks like. So Crow <laughs> has this like, I mean, it's a paragraph of describing this butt this plug. This butt plug. And it is purple and has a jewel at the end. And he says <laughs> that he picks this specifically so that he, when he puts it inside of Pearl's ass, he can see the little jewel glint back up at him. Like He's asshole. a bougie motherfucker. He wears neon ties and he needs a bejeweled butt plug. And it can wink back at him. I'm just, That's what he loves. That's it. I mean, and you know what? If you love that too, and you have a partner, if there are any listeners that have this, like, please, please hit us up in our DMs. Like, I want to know more. Because I do want to know more. I want to have this conversation. I'm also like not a man, and no. so I just don't see the allure. But yes, I would love. To I'm know more like, I, clearly the couples do, that do this, and that's okay. But I so, do. I think it's funny how like the the neon monster over here is like <laughs> bejeweled, <laughs> bejeweled. Anal plug. Like, I, I'm just like, oh, this is actually on brand. I mean, this is it for you. Like, you're not straying. You are not straying from you at all. Way to be you, Crow. <laughs> like, I, I see you very much on brand. And the neon daddy likes bejeweled butt plugs. And so does Pearl. I mean, they do. So they get into the sex of it all. They have anal and. Pearl, in midst of her orgasm, just yells, five. Five. Yeah, it's five. It's five. five. <laughs> she's like, that's five buttons. That's five. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's five. And that means. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's solid five. <laughs> like the biggest orgasm she's ever had in her life. It is. She's like, five out of seven butt plugs. Like, and five. She's like, God damn it, this man. This man does it for me. So they move on and. That he's like, you can't sleep in here. You have to go back to your room. So she goes back to your room and she ends up having, she has nightmares every night. Yeah. And 
they're usually about, you know, bones and, and what she's been through. Being but this particular and... night, she has this nightmare that involves she's with bones. Crow comes to save her and says, you know, no one will will harm you again. And then Bones ends up getting up and stabbing Crow, and he dies um, in her arms. So she wakes up in this nightmare. It's the first time she's ever had a, a you know a nightmare like this with involving Crow, and she ends up running to his room for comfort. And Crow is back to kind of putting some some walls and some boundaries up here, and he tells her no, like you. He denies you can't. her. He won't you let her come anymore. in, and it just like. Yeah, you know, she thinks like the first time, you know, he let her sleep in there in that whole moment. And he she knows she brings that up even. She's like, well, wh- what the fuck? Like we did this before. And he's like, and like they just was had like special and like circumstance. he just, you know, spanked her with the belt. And she's like, she even says at one point, she's like, oh, so you can smack me around and do all these things to me. But yet I'm not allowed to come in here and. You know, God forbid you give me comfort. And she has this really vulnerable moment. And because he rejects her. She is just, like, losing it, like, breakdown. And she takes off running, and poor girl, because she just cannot catch a break, bust her ass down the stairs. <laughs> she starts <laughs> – Hallie, this reminds me, and I don't know if you were there that day. Do you remember when we were in our sorority house? And just side note, Hallie <laughs> and I have known each other since college. And this scene and how embarrassing it ended. His reminds me of when <laughs> our freshman year, I was studying upstairs and it was lunchtime and like my fucking scrawny ass was like, oh, it's lunchtime. And he'll like hear the lunch bell like ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, I'm girls gotta go, go eat. Girls gotta eat. And I, in front of our whole sorority house at lunchtime, and if anyone is a sorority, you know how lunchtime is. Everyone's like coming back from class. It is full. It is stocked. There are a ton of bitches in this fucking house. And, and I am just hitting st- every step down. <laughs> and I have, and it's raining. And I have these huge, stupid fucking hunter like rain boots on. Like, what a style choice. And I, on our grand staircase, trip on stair fucking one yeah. and tip tumble and it's like 30 fucking stairs <laughs> and down you go and, down, pearl. and like pearl and i end at the bottom of the staircase and everyone is just like <gasps> yeah. like and no <laughs> one comes to help me like i am sobbing on the ground and i am like holding my ankle it's fucking i know it's broken and i'm yeah. just like <laughs> and then finally someone's like oh i gotta i gotta help this poor bitch like god like literally pretty much the same thing happens to pearl i mean she hits every step down she's laying on the floor and it's so sad because it is a literal representation of how she feels she feels that she has hit rock bottom not only has she hit the bottom of the staircase on her face she has hit rock bottom and she's so much so, she doesn't even like try to get up like she just she's lays like, there fucking like, kill me uh, now like, like, just like i'm done and crow ends up coming to pick her up. he picks her up and he takes her back to her room and starts looking at her ankle and she just like kicks him off like all petty ass Fuck you know you. like don't fucking touch like, me. please leave me alone like you've already humiliated me enough like we're done and he ends up getting in bed with her and cuddles her and stays with her so we get back and after this whole scene you know they've slept together in her room and they have another cuddle session Pearl comes in after a few days to Crow and she's just like really needing to have 
this conversation with him about what's going on. She has all this internal guilt still. And it's, you know, she's loving what she has like going on with Crow. Like she's having sex with him. They're growing closer together. They're doing all these things. And she still has in the back of her mind, which is like so rightfully so that, you know, she's still thinking about Jacob. She's still thinking about her life. She feels so guilty that she has just fallen into Crow's arms so willingly. And, you know, she tells him like, I, I, you know, I, I, I feel awful for doing this because of Jacob and Crow like has enough of this conversation. Like he gets really enraged and is like, you need to stop thinking about Jacob. And previously in the book, he has fucking Lars do everything, does everything, do a background check on Pearl and like how she got into sex trafficking, how she got sex trafficked. And you know, all these things. Cause he, again, it's a power play in the beginning of her being around him in his home of, you know, I'm going to find out everything about her and him and her not know anything about me. So, you know, yeah. and in that moment when he's reviewing those documents previously in the book, he finds out that her name is Pearl and he just has like a fucking boner alert again about it. He's just like, yeah, he like oh. jizzes over her name. Yeah. He's like, Oh, it's just so such special. a simple. So So pure, so pure, so innocent, all of these things. But he does still does not call her Pearl. He refers to her as her little pet name, his button. So in all this, he finally just like blurts out to her that like the reason that you are here with me, got in this bone situation, how you were even sex trafficked to begin with was because of Jacob. Like Jacob sold her into this to pay off his debts and he only got $100,000 for her. And if you think yeah. about this contrast of he got a hundred that he only got $100,000, Pearl was sold for 3 million. Yeah. And in no way, shape or form is any of this right. But it's like, she has this moment of just complete and utter shock, pain, Everything yeah, I mean, she even imagine. says, like, before, um, why she feels so much guilt is because she didn't have a family growing up, and her parents were abused her, were both alcoholics, which led her to being in the foster care system. She doesn't have any more relatives. Jacob was always that one person that she had, and, you know, this guilt from, like, she says, you know, with Bones, she never felt guilt because it was never a choice, but with Crow it was a choice and she was actively choosing to be with him and she was enjoying it. And so that's where like this big moment comes where she finally just like, I've got to talk to somebody about this. And so she ends up finding out that Jacob was the one that sold her. And we thought that we have seen a breakdown before. This is even worse. She ends up like running out of the room and she runs out to the vineyards and she's just running, 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 just crying, sobbing, trying to wrap her head around everything and she ends up spending the night out in the vineyards. Uh, she basically just cries herself to sleep. And she gets woken up by the sprinklers the next morning. And I can just see like, in her nightgown. So, like, just so, so sad. sad. Like, it's just so sad. Because poor Pearl. Like. I know. I know. And so she ends up walking back and she's kind of in her head. And she's like, oh, like, this is good because Crow's going to already be gone for work today. So I can just go sulk and, you know, some peace and quiet. But we find out Crow did not go to work today. And she goes back to her room and Crow has been in her room all night waiting for her. And he, you know, wants to be there for her. And she ends up 
looks down at herself and realizes she's covered in like dirt and mud and her little nightgowns. She's like, I'm going to go in the shower. Well, and you have to, when she's walking through the house, like <laughs> there's a little bit of humor to this, which I love that Penelope does in this is that she's like, Oh God, Lars is going to be so upset about the mud on the floor. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I again, know. Because yet again, Lars is the cleaner now of the house yeah. to add to his whole entire repertoire. The resume of what he actually do. does. Yes. Yeah. And so she's just a mess. She ends up going in the shower and Crow is just like so worried about her. He ends up getting in the shower with her and ends up washing her and bathing her and, and bathing her and it's such this nurturing moment that and they've never had like they've had yeah. moments like where he's like picked her up when she was down blah 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 blah. but like this moment is like he is caring for her as a woman like it's very very intimate and no strings attached like yeah. she there's no buttons there's no currency it's crow doing this because you know again crow is an onion Yes, he has many layers. <laughs> he has many layers. He's Shrek. He's an ogre. <laughs> he is Shrek. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's Shrek. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> you... Okay, I'm sorry, but... Don't don't even get me started on Shrek humor because so, it'll be a long day. It'll be a long day. So, so yeah, they end up yeah. doing this and, you know, he ends up take or yeah, he ends up, like, you know, washing her and stuff and he ends up, you know, leaving her and... He ends up staying home from work like a full week. Like he's hanging around this house just to like make sure she's okay. Yeah. Like he's not like before. He's not going far. No. And like before he would have Lars send him check-ins yeah. and he'd be like, so how's Pearl? And Lars would be like, oh, she's by the pool. <laughs> hanging out. I gave her three sweet teas today. <laughs> so so and now, but he is, he wants the check-ins. He yeah. Wants to and so them. he's kind of hanging around and. Finally, one night, Pearl, again, is, like, in her room, and she just, like, can't sleep, and she's feeling awful. So she takes her buttons, and she's about to go pay for a cuddle session. <laughs> I got my buttons, sir. Yeah, she ends up knocking on the door, and she's like, I have my buttons. This is what I want. And he finally says, you know, you don't have to pay for this one. can just come and, get in my bed with me. Yeah, and they, like, get in bed, and he's – Finally makes his like declaration. He's he's just like you know I am gonna kill him for doing this to you. And the last lines of the book, Pearl's having this moment where she's kind of fully giving herself over to Crow here and accepting the situation for what it is. And she's like, I had no family. I thought I had Jacob. I don't. But I have this man here that is willing to like do anything for me, and I'm gonna fully trust him. And she says, I know. And then that is the end. Of just book one. Of there just are book six one. books total in the Buttons series. And, and then you get into like they have kids and like their kids have books and it's just all of them are good. Everyone I have read, read them. every single one of them. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a feat, but they're short and sweet and it's like yeah. 45 books. And they're fun. They're like really fun. Yes. Um, the next couple books you kind of get into like where Bones comes back into the picture and Kane and – it's it's really good. So everyone keep reading them. They're it is. so good. At it's this like, time, we're not going to continue. We're not going to do a whole no. series on them. Um, we're just going to kind of get this first one out of the way. And hope but that any you read them. Last, um, lasting thoughts, Tay? I just have to say like this. You know, I've, I've read these books so many times. I feel like these are like my comfort books, um, yeah. which is 
probably weird. Kind of weird considering it's <laughs> so, like, heavy, but... Yes, it's kind of weird because the series does. It's such an, like, yes, there are great smut scenes in the rest of the series, but it is. The adventure of Crow and Pearl is just outstanding, and the writing by Penelope Sky is just, I mean, it's phenomenal. She can tell a damn story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I do think that, like, in this book, like, power is, like, a big theme in oh, here. Yes. And you kind of get, like, different definitions. Like, when she's with Bones, you know, one of her little moments where she tries to mind fuck him is how she talks about how she always wants to have power and kind of feeding into it. And Bones, you know, when he takes to the warehouse, he ends up shooting one of the workers right in front of her for, like, no reason, really. Yeah, just to and do it. And he ends up telling her, like, that's real power. <laughs> and she's like, you know, you, you're in – obviously Pearl's point of view with this. And she's like, no, the fuck, like, like you're fuck fucking off, idiot. Dude. You're such a little dick man. I can't even handle it. And then I feel like all of this leads though to the power that like, and that's where I think you're heading with this is like her power that she actually gets with Crow. Yeah. And she's always kind of had it the whole time, but she also like talks about Crow in the sense that what she feels is true power is from Crow. And it's, there's at one part of the book where he just walks into her room and she says, like, immediately you just get this air. Like, you have – you almost have no choice but to, like, respect him and who he is and without even doing or saying anything. And for her, like, that in a man, like, that is true power right there. And exactly. then you kind of go on this journey where with Crow, she's learning kind of take back her power that she doesn't think that she has. And you definitely see that as the books go on. So, yeah, that's I think the it was great. I think that's – I mean, there's a ton on this book. But I think, like, yes, that is it. And then you'll watch – you will watch Pearl grow into the mafia queen that she is. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, so, Hallie, before we go, let's talk about our moments. And first, what was your spiciest moment of this book? I think my oof. I think my spiciest moment was the knife scene. Oh, it's mine too. The blood kink. I never thought I would enjoy it. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> calm down over there. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my spiciest moment. Um, I will say though, I also loved the office scene where she comes to kind of like confront him, and they have like the button arrangement and like they slap each other I think it's just like this really heated moment and it's in no way shape or form right but are these books ever no but like she smacks the shit out of him back and then it's like instant they just want to maul each other and it's like woo, that is some passion honey that is they are hot and heavy what was your sweetest moment my sweetest moment is probably when he comes and into the shower at the end of the book is probably the sweetest. Um, because like, I think with any relationship, it doesn't have to be, you know, just a a man and a woman, any relationship when your partner realizes like you are down and out and you're there, you know, that's your comfort is them having someone come and take care of you and put their needs you know, under yours is just, it just, I mean, yeah, sense. very, very That's, sweet. I can watch a movie and I will cry at parts like those. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's my yeah. favorite. 
I love whenever he finally gives her that name, Button. I think, oh, Button, in the middle of sex. Don't yeah, leave me, Button. <laughs> I think when he's, like, basically begging for her to, like, realize that he's not Bones, I think it's it's a pretty sweet moment, I think, with all things considered. What, what was, was your most heartbreaking she, moment? Yes. So I was about to ask, yeah. Um, my most heartbreaking, I think it's honestly like when when she's taken. I think that for me is just everyone's personal fear, having no control. It doesn't matter if you're a control freak or not. Like having no control about what's about to happen to you. And in that, like I already feel like I read the back of the book. So before I read it, so I knew like what was going to ultimately happen to her. And then when it like gets written out that for me, like when she is taken is probably the most heartbreaking of the whole entire book. Yeah. I mean, I think everything with bones is heartbreaking, but I also think that the part where she's at the safe house and she is like about to finally find this release and killing herself. And Crow stops her and she completely breaks down and starts screaming, like, how do you have no mercy? And I think that was a pretty big one for me where it's like, oof, like homegirl wanted to kill herself and she almost was that close and she couldn't. Well, she didn't because of Crow. What was your funniest moment? I know this book is not funny in a sense at all, but there are some... Penelope Sky does a great job of adding humor to make this a little lighthearted. What was your um, I really like whenever she first meets Lars and he's like, do you want to join, you know, do you want breakfast? And she is like, I forget exactly what she says, but he's like, yes or no is a, is the right answer or something. Like, well, yeah. And she's like, sure. And he's like, <laughs> hmm, I guess that'll do. Like he's so proper, you know, like he is. he's like, I don't, oh, she says, yeah, or something. And he's yeah. like, it's either yes or no. And she's like, sure. And he's like, oh, well, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, come on. Like, so proper. Like, she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm kidnapped here, and you're going to sit here and try to give me etiquette lessons? Like, I can't. I can't. Like, buddy, take what you get. I yeah. would say my funniest moment is I love all the moments with Lars, but it's their banter of the punishment at dinner yeah. where they're like back and forth. And she's like, yeah. so what are you going to do to me? What are you going to do? Like tell like, me about the oh, You're going to lose your appetite. And she was like, I never have an appetite with you or something. Yeah, when and I look at you and he's like, eh, well, yeah. Let me put my fingers inside of you and I'll see your appetite. And <laughs> yeah. She's like, fuck. She's like, yeah. Okay. Thanks for bringing Damn it. Her. Thanks for bringing her into this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Leave the kitty out of it. <laughs> leave her out. So I think for that, that is probably the wrap of our first podcast. Our first episode, first book. did it, is all I have to say. I had so much fun. It's like the Elwoods. We did it. We did it. (laughs) We did it. What? Like it's hard? What? Like podcasting is hard. And folks, it is. Let me tell you, there's been- So many technical difficulties here. It's been a long journey here. But we are here. And I guess we can reveal our next book- Yes, next episode we will be doing Punk 57 by Penelope Douglas. Which, which I've never ever read. Never ever read I have read it. read it before. I actually love Penelope Douglas and most of her books. Um, Punk 57, you've probably seen it all over your book talk. It's had this kind of like new resurgence. It's been out for a while, I think like four or five years. But it's had this kind of like new resurgence of, of it on book talk. It's a standalone book. Um, 
I think I'm so ready for a standalone. Like it I, is. I know I've, you're doing a lot of series. I have been so seriesed up right now. Like I think I have what, like three books going right now. Like this, yeah. yeah. With Punk Fifty Seven, it'll be three um, books going. So Punk Fifty Seven is just like totally. Di- it's totally different from Buttons and Lace. It is a bully romance, and it's set in high school. And I love all the themes in this book. I love the angst of it all. I can't wait. I love that we're going to be able to go back and kind of talk about like our high school days. I think it's going to be a hilarious time. Um, But also, again, these episodes, we're going to go through and talk about the smut of it all. We're going to make you laugh. But we're also, again, going to tackle some of these like hard-hitting themes within these books. And with Punk 57, you definitely have, you know, high school and it's a really tough place and there's bullies and there's trying to fit in and there's being self-conscious and kind of finding yourself and what that means and standing up for who you are and what you believe in. And so I can't wait for you guys to, to hear. It's going to be great. I can't wait for Taylor to read it. Yeah. I'm super excited. I plan to start this week. So you guys will have another podcast coming soon. Have you ever read a bully romance before? I don't think so. I think with all the stuff that we've read, I don't think I've read a bully romance. So I'm excited. um, You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. I personally love a bully romance because I just love when people are mean to me. (laughs) I don't know why. Okay, weirdo. (gasps) I have daddy issues. I I don't know. (laughs) I I am like rainbows and butterflies. Like, please do not. Like, I hate conflict. I hate arguments. (laughs) This is going to be – This will be fun. This this will be very interesting to see if you enjoy this book. I think you will. But, yeah, I can't wait. So that will be the next book. Um, until then, uh, follow us on Instagram. We are at, uh, let's talk about smut podcast. Give us a follow. We're going to post our fan cast for this book later today. Um, please reach out and message us. Let us know what you think about the episode. Um, leave us reviews. Um, we want to hear from you. We also have an email address, uh, if you want to email instead, but it's let's talk about smut at Gmail. Um, we definitely want to want to hear from you guys, hear what you liked, you didn't like, uh, anything with the quality of the podcast. If our sound is bad. Yes, please tell us. Don't rate us one star on here because it sounds off or something. Like, be a good listener and just grow with us. Like, I, Yeah, let us know. Let us get the feedback have. and we will work our little tushes off to make this the best quality podcast ever. Yes. So with that, Hallie, I'll leave you. Love ya. We love you, little smut kittens. See you, bye, friends.